you've ever had intercourse with someone inside your family? Yes. Who? My auntie. Have you killed anyone? No. Maybe. Not me. Have you killed anyone? No. How many times did you have intercourse with your aunt? Three times. Where's your aunt now? I don't know. Would you like to have intercourse with her again? No. Do you regret this? No. Where's your mother? I don't know. Let Infringement. <laughs> I'm going to uh, just interrupt with infringement every time you guys say something that uh, you just I disagree with today. So I hope that's okay. And Chris, I think to start out this episode, you have to explain yourself why you decided to add this episode. Oh, oh yeah, this is the surprise seventh episode. Um, I mean, the main reason is just like we planned all our episodes out, and then I realized that we didn't include either Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life nor paul thomas anderson's the master and we had specifically been trying to get a pta movie in one of our episodes yeah. if only to have with molly <laughs> right and uh it just seems silly not to and so the, the the official gang is back together um though i don't think we've ever had all four of us on i don't think so wait an episode together we, i thought we did this once before we didn't have we? so who do we got uh well, well molly's here again hey molly thanks for joining us usually you just say thanks back and we can move oh, on oh yeah thanks <laughs> thanks, thanks for making it weird <laughs> um and then uh also rejoining us on the pod is uh drax all the way from hollyweird so thanks hollywood hey. correspondent drax hey, hey 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 thanks for thanks for having me good to be here what was, uh, the, what was the episode we did with Hendrix before? Where I get uh, Midnight Run, and oh, Forty Eight yeah, Hours. Yeah. Back at the absurdist action cycle. Yes, yeah, that, that was a that was a fun one. Um, you're still wrong about Midnight Run, Dan. But I didn't didn't love it. No. Oh know. my god! Disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like th- that's going to happen again this episode. Uh, I call this the gang because uh, just for some listener context, uh, we are uh have kind of become an unofficial like birthday movie watching group the four of us i prefer club it's more of a club oh, yeah it's a club it's a yeah. it's a very exclusive club well um, i think it should be said that it started deep in the pandemic with mm-hmm. me and wiper have an ongoing movie club for like you i don't do. know god yeah. it's like four years now and um it's been a while, yeah. and we invited ryan once to join what did us we watch with him John Tucker must die. John Tucker must die. <laughs> Which Ryan, yeah. you I loved. I was obsessed um, with the accessories. The, yes, the, you loved the, the accessories. It was a lot of uh-huh. fashion commentary. But yes, yeah. and then we, Ryan came a couple times to our movie night, and then Chris joined in, and then it just became uh, a birthday thing now. But I just need yeah. to acknowledge it started with John Tucker inviting Ryan to John Tucker must die. Yeah. And, and, then bu- and then I butted myself in in there shortly after that. But it originally started with JFK on a Sunday afternoon. Which JFK? Well, you, you and Sunday me, afternoon. yes. Afternoon. So Nobody bizarre. needs to know that. That's a little. <laughs> Just a little too inside my baseball. St. Louis house watching JFK. That's <laughs> good. God. That's bleak. All right, moving on. Uh, moving on. All right. So wait, this is the cycle is set in the 1950s. This is movies mm-hmm. that were you know set in the 50s but made another period. Tree of Life was what 2011. Evan, yep. and then uh, the Masters 2012. So kind of back to back movies, both really big um, when they came out. At least with like I don't know film snobs, yeah. film bros. Um, like I pretty remember, celebrated. 
Yeah, I remember like both of these movies coming out being a huge deal. Um, and I think I saw them at least maybe opening weekend or the, the first couple of weeks of release. I don't know. How do you want to dive into this? Do you want to dive about the movies and talk about the directors? I don't know. I'm, it's free for all. What do you guys feel like? <laughs> let's let's uh, let's do the usual. We're gonna start with. Uh, I mean, this one. Yeah, it feels like not one of these is not a specific chaser to the other. These are pretty unequal standing in terms of uh, like like you said, film bro movies set in the 1950s, and um, I. Let's just go around um, and explain our relationships with these films, our histories, if you will. Um, guests first, yeah. uh, Molly. I'm. I know that you are. <laughs> you you are a you are a certified uh, PTA uh, expert, right? Yeah, official. Oh, not official. No, that's not the right term. Yeah, I'm not certified. No, that oh, would be embarrassing. Okay, okay. Um, no, I was just saying that I feel like I was trying to recount before this episode started that I had previously stated I needed to complete my sort of modern day film bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know grouping, and I feel like I was missing yeah. a Paul Thomas Anderson. Coupling. Yeah, we haven't. I feel like a tar- probably has to have to do a Tarantino. Tarantino. Maybe there's like mm, yes to we get the truth because I've done a Sorkin, no. I did Fincher, I did oh, Nolan, I done yeah um, some other ones. Anyways, but yeah, so I mean, but no, I. It's funny because I feel like this is a good tying it back. I don't know if this this episode will air before or after the Desert Hearts episode. Um, but that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, either before. way, yeah. what I reference preview for other people. Whoops. Um, but just the idea of like some people have different um, uh, movie uh, journeys, and I think, like you guys said, these two are definitely like where you're like, oh, they were a big deal when they came out. I think yeah. to a very specific population. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. You know, very like for so. me, Tree of Life, I was like, oh, okay. Like I, I watched it after and I remember, you know, again, I feel like I, both of these films, spe- specifically Tree of Life, it was like, oh, it got a lot of awards. Let me watch it at some point. And, you know, yeah. I have thoughts about it. Um, and then, with the master, it's funny. I feel like by the time the master came out, I had become, I ever since Magnolia, like Magnolia that I, I saw Magnolia when I was, you know, like in high school. And I think at the time, like that was a very, um, I was like, Whoa, this is deep. Right. Or like, this is something, you know, like I was enamored, (laughs) but again, for me, it's funny, different things. I was also enamored with PTA because he had this Mm. very, I was very much enamored with Fiona Apple and he had this very specific artistic Uh, relationship with Fiona Apple at that time. He directed all her music videos for when the pawn, which was like 98, 99. Um, and you know, there was like this very, so I was like very in, I very sort of enamored with that whole, that whole scene. And, um, but like, so I was sort of a, started as a PTA fan, but over time, anyway, so I feel like when this movie came out, I was less like, oh my God, this is amazing. I actually think the first time I ever watched the whole thing was with you, Dan, like a couple years ago when we watched it or like last mm. year. I actually don't think uh, I watched yeah, it. Yeah, the watch. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I actually don't think this like, this did not have some sort of impact for him. Like, oh my God, I have to see this when it comes out. I was kind of like, sure. okay, yeah, I guess. Um, anyways, so I don't know. Ryan? 
Um, well, I guess I'll start with the master. Um, I had seen um, a lot of uh, PT's work up till now, but then I kind of fell off a little bit. I didn't really like, I haven't seen a new one in a while. Um, and then I actually didn't see the master until maybe a couple years back, you know, not when it first came out, I waited for it to come to like one of the streamers, I think like HBO or something. Um, so I had actually not really been aware of how good or bad it was at the time. Cause I didn't see it with everyone else. But I, of course I heard, you know, the performances were, you know, off the charts and Philip Seymour Hoffman specifically was, you know, a sight to behold in this one. So, um, it was, it feels very recent actually going back and watching it now. And to be honest, it's kind of to its detriment because I'm not as maybe excited about it because I just seen it recently and I'm not as surprised or caught off guard. And, um, you know, so that might kind of color, like if I were to compare the notes that I took on, the master versus tree of life, which I did see pretty shortly after it came out. Cause I'm a huge Terrence Malick fan. Um, uh, you know, it's like double or triple the notes. It's like, I, you know, the master is just like, Oh, I saw this. I remember all this. And then, but tree of life, um, <laughs> I hadn't, I hadn't seen tree of life since it came out like in 11. And I remember being very lukewarm on it at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, I personally like the thin red line a lot. Uh, it's like my top, the film, uh, his resume. And then I just saw it again and I really dug it this time. And yeah, it, kind of, okay. it kind of, it kind of <laughs> goes to like, I think sometimes you have to be patient with Terrence Malick movies. Like sometimes. I saw, I saw the one, well, I saw the one before this, what the new world, I think came new out world. before this. Yeah. Right. I did not like that movie when it first come out, came out, did not like no. it at all. Saw it like it's twice more. So twice more, I'm starting to come around, you know? So yeah. I think yeah. some of these, I think some of these movies, you just have to, for me, maybe I'm, you know, I, I know I sound crazy, but maybe you just have to like watch him a couple of times and he just wins me over every time. I don't know what it was like <laughs> tree of life, big thumbs up this second watch, like very emotional. Like I got really into it. I didn't think I would. And you know, it just did. I it did. Something I really to dug it. It, it it worked on me this time in a big way, but uh, I'll let you guys uh, let us know what happened with you. Because you go ahead. I kind of mentioned it a little bit, but you go ahead, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I also saw Tree of Life back when it first came out, and um, I was immediately enamored with it. Similarly, I wasn't huge about the new world, but I had come around to it after, once again, a second watch. Um a few years afterwards and I was, I loved thin red line and I had also at some point in that, and we had an episode about um, one of his other famous earlier films, badlands, which is uh, a wonderful complicated film and um, days of heaven, of course. Uh, But um, I honestly like had the kind of experience when I saw tree of life in theater where I was like, I, I loved that. I don't know if I ever want to watch that again though. (laughs) <laughs> and 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 so i i i kind of liked this idea of uh shoehorning this new extra episode in so that i could kind of uh come up with an excuse to make myself watch it um and i and uh, like ryan said like i was like i was a little hesitant because i was like oh this is just gonna kind of go in one ear out the other eyeball out the other whatever uh and I was still like just transfixed, like even on a television compared to a, a movie screen, it was 
really still uh it was it was pretty magical i think just like folding laundry on a tuesday morning or whatever um i i was i was so into it um and then uh for the master i similarly had missed it in the theaters it was came out right around the time i remember my first son was born and uh um it, i've been i remember it feeling kind of strange because like i i would always go see like i saw the early blood opening weekend i saw uh magnolia in the theaters etc and then um uh, and then it just kind of came and went and then uh a few years afterwards i think 2015 maybe i caught it uh on i think i like borrowed the dvd from the library and I was kind of lukewarm to it. I was like, oh yeah, like Philip Seymour Hoffman's amazing. Amy Adams is great. Um, but I was never really a big Joaquin Phoenix fan and I didn't really care too much about like the whole Scientology take of, of mm-hmm. its plot. And, and so I was also reticent to look back at it because it's probably one of my lesser favorite PTA movies overall. Um, despite the tremendous performances, um and yeah similarly i was just like yeah i think this is this is pretty good i don't know if i would call it uh one of his best it's definitely one of his most polarizing i'd imagine um i can easily see uh, arguments on both sides of uh of its efficacy as a as a as a drama but i do think it's worth it if only for you know, those performances. And I think, yeah, it's probably one of my more, uh, favorite Joaquin Phoenix performances, even though I, I'm not a big fan of him overall, as I mentioned on our episode, uh, on the movie, her, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, for tree of life, it was strong, strong. And for (laughs) master, it was lukewarm. Good. (laughs) Lukewarm, but good. Strong, quite strong. Um, what's weird is like, I have the exact, I think, well, I don't know. I saw both of these in New York city in like indie art theaters, like when they, the like limited release. So they were sold out. So I saw these both with a sold out crowd. So I was like, I don't know. Like my experience is probably way different than you guys. Cause it was just sort of like the expectation was very, very, very high in the room. Mm-hmm. And like when my social circles was like, well, everybody's going to see tree of life. Obviously I was going to see the master, obviously. <laughs> um, and uh, I gotta say, um, neither of these movies hit me at all, really. Um, I would say Tree of Life, I absolutely despised when I watched oh, it wow. opening night. Um, and I'm, I, I will say this is Terrence Malick is my favorite director. Like Badlands, Days of Heaven, Thin Red Line, New World, those are probably four of my favorite films. Um, so, like, maybe there's like a weird expectation thing going on. On rewatch, though, on rewatch, I'll admit that there is something to the core story, the core narrative set in the fifties, everything else, the building of the universe, the whole, pre- the cosmos stuff is, uh, Sean Penn, Molly, before we were on the show, Molly's like, she forgot that Sean Penn was in this movie and just sort of pops up. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like yeah. a jump scare. And extreme so, close up Sean Penn. <laughs> yeah, well, he, like also really seems, he also seems very miscast as the older version of the kid it just i don't i never bought him like oh that's sean penn <laughs> yeah it doesn't really doesn't really <laughs> translate. yeah I, it, it's you know i think 
Well, he has well, no especially because he's not playing off anybody else. Do you know what I well, mean? He has, he's not, he has like, no lines. He feels even yeah. more exactly like he. It feels even more like I don't know. I'm watching Sean Penn wandering. Around. Like I don't know what's happening. It's just very much like his parts do not work at all because yes, specifically oh, yeah, he's supposed, we- supposed to be like an adult version of the kid, but then on top of he that, just, it's like he's like just wandering around with no like human contact to like other characters. Well, and they mute his voice basically. He just kind of mumbles into the phone, or he's like, he's in a meeting where someone else will be driving the conversation, and he'll just kind of be like phoning it in literally. Like, he'll just be like, Yeah, that sucks, man. Is like, he's there for vibes only. Don't worry about it. He what? is an architect, hmm. he is an architect, uh, architect of the soul. <laughs> wait um, i want to know oh god i just no, want to no. be clear was i the only one that watched the extended edition oh Is i have not seen the extended edition no well, i've just seen was, the hour 48 one i i watched the two hour 19 minute one i thought that that's, was yeah, that's extended. no that's theatrical extended is yeah. uh 254 oh god um <laughs> you watched the 254 version I yeah, I mean, thought, over the course of a day on and off taking care of a baby. Well, I always uh, thought I was missing different? something because I didn't see so much Cosmos stuff, but maybe, I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. So the one that we watched was 139, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the theatrical. Oh, there's um, more of that? Oh, yeah. I mean, and- scary. I almost walked out of the theater. Um, I was so, I was so, I was, I was angry for some reason in the theater. I don't know why. I was like, what do you... It, here's the thing about Malik is that, like, um, if you look at his four previous films, they do all pretty much do the same thing. It's all, like, long shots in nature, like, there's especially big, Thin Red Line, Days of Heaven. It's just gorgeous, yeah. right? I mean, it's just beautiful. And for whatever reason, like him, <laughs> like the dinosaur, I... Oh, God, I love the dinosaurs. And also, like... Am I right in saying that wasn't CGI? Like, or what? was that CGI? Oh, there's yeah, CGI. Some, there's some statement where he's like, he didn't want to do any CGI. Well, the dinosaur this movie. CGI. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, like, they weren't like, they weren't like physical. You didn't get real dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like, versus like animatronic. And and stuff no, yeah. <laughs> no, there's no way uh, that Bill Polad gave him enough money for animatronics. What I want to know is for you, well, Molly, do you didn't really give us your, what's your sort of on the rewatch? Did you get well, something damn, out of Tree of Life? Here she comes. Yeah, what do you <laughs> got for I think Even the most ardent Tree of Life supporter can admit that the Sean Penn stuff is shaky at best. Oh, sure. okay. Um. <laughs> well, I thought we all did. So I have never seen, so this is, I'm thinking text. I'm. I'm a giver. I'm an empathizer. I'm trying to understand what these men are doing, you know, yeah, and thank you. I, contextually. And uh, I think this is a great pairing because these are both very much like neither of these movies have like a true narrative structure. Obviously, they're both literally like, mm. you know, they're weird, like collage vibe films. Yeah, it's yeah. like collage <laughs> vibes. Um I'm like a concept, like I'm riffing, um, beautiful with beautiful cinematography. Like that's it was like, I was like, Oh, these are like a weirdly good pairing because it's like, uh, anyways, but I feel like my empathetic reading of like what tree of life. I mean, I don't remember what 
Malik said himself about it. And I actually haven't seen, I know like four years later, he did that weird, like, uh, what was it called? Like voyage of time documentary thing. That was like some, and so it feels like this is sort of, again, it's like, he's obsessing on some like concept thing. He's like, you know, whatever. And so, and, and I feel like that's why so many of his movies from like this decade too, are just like, I'm just like not into narrative structure anymore. It's like, this is, I don't know, sort of his first distillation of like, whatever. It's like somehow he finally decided to just like do the shit he's been like thinking about and like vibing on for like 40 years. And then like he unleashed a decade of it. I don't really understand it still, but that seems like what happened. Right. And this is like his like entree into that. I feel like maybe the cultural buzz like reinforced that. Then he just like, you guys are the problem with why we got a decade of Terrence Malick just being absolutely chaotic. Being like, he's like, sure, yeah. He's like, he's like, safety's off. I'm just doing only vibe movies that make no sense. Um, Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. again, I fully under, like there's things to appreciate. Like a lot of this stuff, why you get, why people like it. You're like, it's beautiful. Like there's, if you can sort of get entranced by like the, the mood of the movie. And I think sort of, which I imagine I, my question for Chris was like, what exact moments made you cry? I'm curious, but um, just like really <laughs> detail those sorts of timestamps. Um, but I can see that like, it's a, like these vibe movies are like, if you can, I feel like it's like catching a wave, right? If you can catch yeah. the wave, you're like, yeah, I just went with it. I just rode this wave through this movie and it, and I got it right. There's other movies like this too. I, I get that. And I just don't think I could never really catch the wave with this one for, you know, it just didn't really work for me. Um, but I acknowledge that it's, you know, it's whatever, that's what he's doing. And I feel like it's the same thing with the master. Um, like funny enough, which I feel like I've read multiple times that PTA is his, it's his favorite movie that he's yeah, done. It's it's favorite a, movie. Yeah. You know, like, which again, rings true of like, again, absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. film. Like one of, yeah. I, like one of the most like beautiful, like it's beautiful to watch. Um, and like you said, it's like beautiful acting, but it also just feels a little emotionally. It doesn't hit for me. Like there's no, I'm watching it and right, I'm like, this is right. beautiful hashtag performance. Like I, I, it's too clinical, you know, which I think is yeah. it, you know, is a lot of the stuff, but anyways, so the master doesn't, the master, I can like kind of like with true of life, there's things I can academically or sort of objectively appreciate about it, or it can be interesting on like a first watch or something, but I, I've never been able to catch the wave specifically on tree of life that you gentlemen seem to have caught, which is fine. You know, what is that wave, Ryan and Chris? What's that wave to you? Yeah, guys? I'm I'm especially curious from Ryan's perspective as somebody who was originally lukewarm to it. Uh, what what was it about this watch? For me, it was being I think it was being a parent um, since the last time I saw it. What about you? Same deal. Um, I think yeah, You're a I'm, I'm, no, I'm older now, and I appreciate. <laughs> Um, you know, family a lot more and Mm -hmm, kind of, mm -hmm. um, you know, as anybody who's gone through just like a change in how your family operates or who's part of it and stuff like that. It's um, kind of watching this family, you know, despite being like in the fifties and supposedly that's when things, you know, were 
a little more ideal, like yeah, kind the good of old this days. family. Well, you know, this family, like yeah, a, a, um, just disintegrate and and before your eyes, and like it's um, it was really interesting for me to see like how like the narratives would also change. You know, um, Jessica was given some narration in the beginning. And then she kind of started to, as she started to get kind of beaten down by her husband and her narration kind of faded, the kids took over. And then at the very end, Brad Pitt's kind of bookended it when he tried to at least change the direction of his life as much as he possibly could. And so I kind of was, that's kind of the wave I took is that there was that, despite it being kind of chaotic in a series of like vignettes and moments, like there was kind of an underpinning of a, of an evolution there and how the family was operating and how they, you know, whether the next 15 years or however many we saw on screen. So I, I guess, I don't know. It's just like, like I said, I got older, family became more important. And then watching a family struggle like this, it kind of gets you, you know, you're, you're rooting for them to pull out of it. And, um, I don't know. I guess it was more poignant at this point in my life than it was yeah. when I was, you know, in my late twenties or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah, I do think that like, there's something to be said for like, you were kind of referring to Molly earlier where it's like, it's clear that this was like Terrence Malick's ultimate passion project. He was, you know, he doesn't say a lot in the press, but he, he has, talked briefly about how it was a concept that he had started toying with as early as 1980, like pretty directly after days of heaven. And, you know, he had that gulf of 20 years before he finally came back with the thin red line. And this was still kind of hovering in the background for him. And it wasn't until really, uh, he had gotten, um, producer Bill Polad, uh, to finance, something of this magnitude and then also get Brad Pitt on board. He originally was just going to be a co-producer and then got, and then managed to like, you know, they tried Colin Farrell in the father role. They tried uh, a couple others and um, Pitt kind of stepped in. And I'm once again, just like kind of like Joaquin Phoenix. I'm not the hugest Brad Pitt fan, um, but I do think that like there was something like, it was clear that he was like investing a little more of himself in this film, perhaps than other uh, kind of his bigger, more, you know, shinier blockbuster films. And I think all, I think both of those lead performances, um, even though they're very much kind of a wash in the soundscapes and uh, cinematography of Emmanuel Lubezki, it feels like that wave is is purely emotional and you if you don't get it through the visuals you get it through the performances or get it through the music um i think especially this kind of like more world weary point of view from the father character's perspective where you get like it it's it feels more truthful to like telling a story about the fifties um, yeah. than a lot of the other movies that we're looking at for this cycle of episodes, because it does have that kind of like good old days aesthetic and like the beauty of it. But like, I don't think there's a more powerful symbol in all of the movies we're looking at than like the kids frolicking through the DDD DDT spray. Yeah. I, I, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> 
what a crazy. <laughs> yeah. What an insane and just like potent image. Um, and yeah, I just think that like, it's clearly something if this is, this was on his mind for 30 years before you could finally put it on the screen. And so, you know, for some directors that would, that would, that could result in disaster. Um, but Malik is kind of a, he's a tinkerer. He, he it was supposed to be released in 09. He missed the deadline cause he was still um, working with his editor. It was supposed to be in 10. And then, you know, he did the theatrical version and then criterion, approached him in 2018 for the extended edition and he i think i think both real, pretty much stand on their own with the exception of the sean penn stuff um which is unfortunate because they're like brian said there's just like so many emotional peaks that you could grab onto pretty easily i think with the actual family story but that's the, like that's the, the thing that sticks really out to me. <laughs> yeah but i mean like I, I, to one thing that popped into my head too, think watching this is like, yeah, this is the movie of all the movies we watched so far about set in the 1950s. This one feels, I don't know what it was like in the 1950s. I, I couldn't possibly know, but it feels sort of grounded in some sort of truth. I mean, he did grow up in Texas and in, in that time period. So he does have a direct experience with it. It did feels there's an authenticity to it, the, the vibe or something that it, it feels honest. Um, but here's, I mean, here's the big question that I have for everybody here on the <laughs> podcast. Um, why not just do a film about a family in the 1950s? Why throw in all the cosmic stuff? Why throw in all the weird, bizarro ending with like... Now you're getting to it, my friend. Souls, spirit, <laughs> like what the... M-E-N men. <laughs> but, <that's like> that, <laughs> but Molly, expand on that. What do you... What are you implying? No, what what did more. men do now, Molly? Uh, <laughs> like the movie men that came out last year? God, no. Oh, God. Oh. What a great movie. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I was obviously mostly being hyperbolic, but I mean, to it, I think what I was talking about before, I think it's like, if you see Tree of Life in the context of what he's done the decade after hmm. tree of life to me it becomes yeah. a little more clear like he's obsessed with this like you know it's tree of life represents like the a bunch of things where he was like let me put a bunch of things together and then it, i don't this is me my read on this is he finally got that and then like the stuff he's done since then is weird like longer versions of parts of what he did in tree of life it was like he like tried to put everything he was like interested in in tree of life in like this one sort of you know canonical like thing that represented a whole bunch of stuff he'd been thinking about for 30 or 40 years and like put it all in one movie like metaphors the universe all of time family love whatever you know and and then like since then he's done like these other sort of like weird little like romance movies like non-linear like you know semi-autobiographical things kind of uh, just a full-scale like history of the universe documentary that he said he'd been thinking about for 40 years so i just feel like it's to me that's sort of like i that's my explanation it was like he finally got he got funding he got permission he got whatever and he put a whole bunch of it was like all the things he'd been thinking about i mean i said joking about its ego of like i think it's and i don't know that's not always a bad thing right for creative people but to me it's it's extremely ambitious to be like 
feel the need to put like 17 different ideas into one movie um, that Mm -hmm. you've been, you know, like the culmination of all that stuff. And I think, like I said, to me, it loses some of its steam where it's like, it's this thing that he always wanted to do. And then he disappeared again. It's like, "Mm," then he kind of like made a whole bunch of like weird (laughs) iterations of it for 10 years after that. So it feels less potent to me in that context too. Um, You know? So yeah. And I feel like I, I guess the last thing I'll say about the men joking thing, it's like, he's notorious for not letting anybody else edit him so like it's also like yeah. why is this 85 things in one well because terrence malick is gonna do what terrence malick's gonna do you know <laughs> like yeah gonna, really thou shall not edit me <laughs> <laughs> i don't know chris I, ryan what do you guys what what does that stuff the cosmic stuff add for you yeah you go first ryan i'm still formulating my thought i don't think we've uh really touched on um some of the more overt like religious stuff that he was yeah, doing okay. yeah, yeah. life. and um you know i don't i shouldn't even speculate like this but you know maybe because he's kind of headed towards the end of his career maybe he's been thinking a lot more deeply about that and it kind of shows at least in you know uh kind of acknowledging the existence of you know some higher power in this one in a more overt way that i'm used to in this films you know usually it's kind of nature versus chaos and grace mm-hmm. and stuff like that you know it's a little more uh, subtle usually but in this one you know they're basically talking to god and saying like you can have my son you know unfortunately one of um the characters um is um you know uh, the, the dead brother um and you know it's it was just it was a little jarring because i hadn't seen that in a terrence malick movie before just like i said so overtly so i think that that kind of worked its way in you know when you're so you're thinking about you know beginning of life end of life and everything in between kind of booking ending that with some of the more cosmic imagery and the wonder um, of it all um starts to kind of make sense at least trying to get into his thought process i guess chris yeah yeah i mean i do i do think that the movie actually would not not hit as hard without the the cosmos stuff it wouldn't be what it is without that i mean i think that you know we we we're going to talk about later in the season uh movies that do just kind of do a portrait of family life in the 1950s and it does feel like it's kind of missing that that you know uh that otherness that kind of creates a feeling of universality um and i think that that's what makes the tree of life so audacious and also you know it's 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 a big gamble but i think that it's a it's incredible that he he swung for the fences and like it does feel like one person's kind of uh reckoning with not just their own personal like trajectory of their life and their relationship with their family and their memories of their childhood but also like how that cycle um keeps repeating one of the key things in the extended edition um that uh, arguably ties the cosmos thing in together a little more uh, coherently is that you you get a you get glimpses of um Brad Pitt's character's father and uh how he his uh kind of act as a father is a reaction to that and then you get a little bit more of Sean Penn and how he 
his reacting that it becomes a little more clear that he clearly made the choice not to have children and um, those kinds of things. So be- the cyclical nature of that going from like the beginning of time to the heat death of the universe um, feels a little stronger. But I also still feel like since he's working in abstractions and vibes anyways, like you could easily just pull together a, a, a pretty uh, kind of emotionally charged connection between like the idea of one's personal life and how that reflects the you know the history of all mankind um i think it was the thing that was really telling for me this time um going back to what ryan said about the 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 spiritual and religious aspect is like um anytime the brad pitt's character is playing piano or organ um Mm -hmm. It, it becomes like a leitmotif for transitioning into like the, the, the choral uh, church music. And so it becomes clear that it's like, that was hit. That was his connection to like peace and grace was music. And then as soon as that starts fading away and you get more of the ambient noise, that's when like those, you know, huge outbursts happen, the fight between him and, jessica chastain's character or where he admonishes his son for not being tough enough or anything like that so it it does feel like you're doing something big and small at the same time and i don't know much of any other movie that manages to do that well i'm glad you guys got a lot out of this (laughs) (laughs) i got what blows my mind about him is that all the sequences in the 1950s with the family are all shot just like his other movies. Now a little bit more experimental, experimental, a little more flowy, maybe a little bit more poetic, but still the same style as Sin Red Line, The New World, Days of Heaven. You can have a bingo card. There's a bingo card that you can have and you can check off each thing that he does that he's done in all these other movies it was weird exactly like the natural (laughs) lights like very limited sort of filtering or anything like that Uh, i mean it's beautiful but wow yeah it um the other stuff it's still it clicks for me even less than it did back when i first saw it Mm. all the cosmic stuff especially the ending i'm just like get me out of here I'm still um, holding on to my theory that I've developed while talking about it during here that like I now I gotta go watch that nature documentary that he never thought <laughs> he was gonna make that nature that like or not mm-hmm, nature documentary mm-hmm. universe, history of the universe documentary yeah, that he did yeah. in 2016 <laughs> that he'd been thinking about for 40 years right so he like he needed to represent that 40 years of passion right and he did it in Tree of Life I'm not saying like mm-hmm. it isn't or I get why it hits for you guys but I still feel like you know, and maybe that can sort of be like the stylistic difference or whatever too. It's like him trying to sort of mash up a bunch of conceptual ideas in his head in one project. Um, again, it doesn't, I'm not saying I'm not, I don't have like a strong argument that it works. If it works for you, it works for you. But I just think like artistically, you know what I mean? Like the choices he makes, I like, I don't know. Like I, I, I want, I want to interview Terrence and be like, did you ever think you were going to make that? 40 years in your brain thing in 2016, you know? And was this sort of like your way of getting some of that out? I imagine yeah. it was. This is warm up. I'm act. sure. I'm sure there's something, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, oh, can I, the, yeah, can I, before you shift to the master, I know I do this every episode, Dan, but I yeah. do want to mention if, uh, for 
anybody that doesn't know, um, are we aware what if his what Malik's next project is? Uh, no. What is it? Um, it's called The Way of the Wind, and it's an anthology film featuring several stories about Jesus Christ. Jokes on you guys. Tree of Life. God, this decade of chaos. Yet another anthology film, which is all what all his like. Narrative fiction films. But Mark Rylance is playing Satan. I was so. going to mention that too. Yeah. Oh, that's actually Mark Rylance as Satan. <laughs> I love Mark Rylance. He's uh, so good in everything. Oh, I wonder if he's going to play him like a weird little guy. You're <laughs> 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 talking about bones and all? Is that what you're saying? No, he's just, he's always, he always plays the weird little guy. I hate him. Whoa, whoa, Not a whoa. Fan. Yeah, do you want to start? You want me to start talking about Bridge of Spies? I will. Because it's my <laughs> God. <laughs> One of my favorite films. Mark Rollins is getting a lot more heat than Sean Penn or Brad Pitt needs to be getting yeah, for their shitty personalities. So let's be fair. Okay, let's talk about the master. Um, I hate this movie more and more each time I see it. Really? Um, yeah, I can't stand it. Um, I again, I think Molly should have mentioned. There's so many elements to this thing. It's beautiful. I mean, it really is. The performances are interesting. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman, obviously outacts basically everybody in this movie, like in circles. Um, Joaquin Phoenix, no. Like I just what. He ma- which maybe is the point i feel like when you and i were watching this he makes me but i don't think it's just this role either he, he just like makes me viscerally uncomfortable yeah. like he's which again maybe his character's supposed to be weird i don't know if i like love when it's like i'm indefin undefinably weird like where it's just this yeah. weird sort of like conceptualized character that's a play on like this weird constellation of like cliches about like (laughs) mental health issues, PTSD and like troubled men. Like I, it's a little too like, I, I'm like, who's the, there's no actual character there. It feels like it's like a little bit of like an acting showcase. And like, and like uh, something. it's like a mask that he puts on in every movie and then just kind of tweaks every little bit. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think that that's kind of what like everybody, the performances here, we're all keeping like the performances, which is true. You know, yeah. the three leads are like compelling to watch, but again, it feels like clinical in the sense of like, you're like, cool. Yeah. It seems like PTA, like, wrote some really cool like monologues for them and like they're really <laughs> acting up there do you know what i'm saying that's what i felt yeah, like yeah, yeah. like acting with a capital a do you know what i mean yeah. like where you're like yeah Swing people are acting Swing yeah and it's like you know and again literally philip seymour hoffman uh, oh, he can like pull it off that's why he comes across as like the best because he just has he has the talent to do it. Yeah. Um, I think it, yeah. to sort of, you'll be like, well, I don't care what he's doing. Like I'm interested, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I'll watch this, even though I know he's just doing like a bunch of weird monologues, but um, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix does. We, we would not have the Joker without the master. Oof. Probably not. <laughs> I did. I did think about Joker when, especially the scene where he goes to, gets arrested and thrown in jail and oh, he's, in, yeah, he, he's throwing a huge temper tantrum and then improv, like by the way improv <laughs> oh my god uh and um and specifically there's like a shot where like he's 
he, he has gotten himself so worked up that his shirt has come down and you see that like kind of like bony frame like that he are you know you know he, he supposedly starved himself for joker and maybe oh, he starved himself for this one too i don't know but um i do think the one uh kind of redeeming factor of joaquin's performance is more it i feel like it works more i get why he did it having a stick with joaquin for so long before we're introduced to philip seymour hoffman's character but if you look at it more as like this kind of uh um back and forth or cat and mouse game where it's like it's less about joaquin ha- being a real you know fully fledged person and having a fully fleshed out personality and characteristics and it's more like because you totally get like why somebody would be enamored with philip seymour hoffman's character you would get i mean they do a very good job like he's he uh, i've seen a lot of comparisons from his performance to like you know orson welles best performances he's like very magnetic and hypnotic to watch and listen to. And so it becomes a question. It became a question for me anyways, in the rewatch, like what does Lancaster Dodd see in Freddie Quell? Like what, what makes him so continuously attracted to him that he just like keeps coming back and keeps like giving him second chance after second chance. And so it, Joaquin's performance makes more sense in that, uh, in that one monologue where, uh, Lancaster Dodd is talking about um, uh, how there's humans and there's animals, and that most humans are a- animals that haven't figured out how to be human yet, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's like he it, he sees Freddie Quell as like this project, like the his, that he would be his ultimate success if he figured out how to tame this weird little guy, and he 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 doesn't succeed at it, and no. you know that's the that's you know the the third act uh kind of nihilistic um, well i liked um conclusion. i like amy amy adams line oh my she's gosh like, she's like you just can't go through life straight you know you can't make yeah. it and that was when he i think went to go visit them for the last time she's like mm-hmm. you know together he it was kind of an admission of failure on her part because she had this great scene also with Philip Seymour Hoffman, where she's just like, I don't want you to go too much further with this guy. He's dangerous. We don't know where he comes from. All that kind of stuff ratcheted up the tension a little bit more and made the movie a lot more interesting on the second watch than I'd given it credit for. Like, you know, she's kind of, you know, she's behind the scenes more self-aware of how, you know, unbalanced this guy could be and how he could hurt people. And, you know, I thought that that was actually... Uh, a little bit more interesting on the rewatch um, this time around. Yeah, I think she's great uh, in this movie. Um, (laughs) She's fine. (laughs) She she doesn't have much to work with, though. You know, it's like... I I do wish she had more, yeah. The the thing about this, the the thing that stood out to me, uh, especially Freddie's character as I was watching it um, the other day, again, it's like PTA has contempt for his characters. It's like he hates his main character. Should I, should I trigger like, you? I think. Yes. Um, <laughs> Wait, was I? Should I trigger you by saying Phantom Thread out loud? I, I was just going to mention that. I was just going to mention that. <laughs> it, See, I, I think it's different in Phantom Thread, though. Because. I, you, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Because that's actually <clears throat> like a romance and they like 
it, it doesn't have the nihilistic ending that this one does. I mean, I, I would disagree well, with that because he's but. basically <laughs> said it's a proxy for him, like which is super weird. In fact, I'm right? in that yeah. movie. But yeah. I also feel like like there's like he's kind of Freddy, right? Like that's the kind of vibe that I get. That like there's this. I don't know what it is about. All I have to say is like I saw when I saw Phantom Thread, it's like it made me reevaluate every movie that he made. <laughs> And like I was going back, right. Molly's laughing because we had a very long Sore discussion about this. <laughs> and then it was just sort of like going back, and we just watched Magnolia when I visited in Chicago. I had never seen it before. <laughs> Wait, what? I had never that, seen it before. That's nuts. That's crazy. And, uh, yeah. Well, he thought it was nuts and crazy once he finally watched it. It's a, it's news. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, it still fucking shines. Literally, R.I.P. Porn, like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. 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 Really oh good. my God. When he breaks my phone. heart in that movie. Yeah. I mean, he breaks. He's yeah. just. He's just. Yeah. He's truly one of those people that you're like. Anything you do is like compelling to watch. On. Yeah. Anyways, what were you saying about Phantom Thread? But I was just like, uh, like thinking about that movie and going back to this one. It's just. I don't know if I've met or watched uh, a director who I think is, I think he's very talented and obviously surrounds himself by very talented people. And he has a good network of people. He grew up in Los Angeles. He's got a lot of connections, right? Um, I just, it's like, he hates the characters, like all of them. And it just, (laughs) there's something about that. Like even going back to there will be blood and everybody in that. And it's just sort of, Boogie Nights, maybe not so much. Heart Eight, definitely not. Like it felt like he had an interest or passion or interest, you know, in these people. I think I when that, it's his LA movies, he does right. Uh, like yeah, he's a little bit more, you know, Boogie Nights or Licorice Pizza or like whatever, you know, like that kind Licorice of. Licorice Pizza is good, know? yeah. Even yeah. like Magnolia, he's. I think yeah, there's a little bit to some more degree. Yeah, em- sloppy empathy oh, yeah. for those characters. But does he? Oh, do you yeah. guys think he has any empathy for Freddie? Or Dodd? Well, I mean, if he doesn't. How is it? Just makes it a difficult story to tell for some reason. No, but I mean, going back to like the the frustration about how cold and clinical it is, that that's got to be part of the point, right? Is that he's? I I mean, let's look at it through the lens of this cycle of episodes. I he's specifically looking at you know post war America and this guy who has just like, it it begins with him like literally like uh, alternating between like laying prostrate on the bow of the boat after the war's over on the radio. And then like struggling to open a coconut and like (laughs) fucking a sand woman on the beach. (laughs) So it's like, it's clear that he's like looking at that through this lens of like, the the world has been broken and this man is one of the broken creatures and so he is stumbling through until he comes across you know a a, a great white hope and yeah. that that doesn't feel necessarily like on the same wavelength as of your traditional story where like you have to have empathy for your characters like that that's this is more like in the the zone of like scorsese right where it's like we're we're trying to understand the characters but we don't necessarily like feel bad for them or root for them yeah 
I don't know. I think even Scorsese, it's like Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street. There's still maybe it's not empathy. No, maybe something what about else. A taxi There's... driver. A taxi driver was basically about someone got thrown away. I mean, yeah. do you feel yeah. empathy for that? You know? Yeah, but I think that I think that there's an element of like um, I, I think that there's an element of the director being attracted to that character, even Godfather. Like there's there's um, a sort of it's not blatant like oh this is a good person or I like this person. It's a sort of I'm interested by this person and I feel some sort of affinity with them. Do you guys feel that Can in the I... master? Go ahead. No. But can I just, can I just, Let's see, does just, he feel that the master? Can I be PTS? back on my bullshit again? Because like, this yes. is why I think these are such a good pairing is because it's also like, I do think, and it's, again, I think it's just funny that it's sort of like tree of life is like, kind of like Terrence Malick's sort of chaotic culmination of all these different ideas that he like puts together in one movie. And like, I feel like when I was doing like some background research on, master i feel like i remember reading stuff where it was like him saying like pta being like this idea was gestating in him for like over a decade before he wrote it it combined like l ron hubbard stuff a bunch of like novels stories that jason robards told him on the set of magnolia and like (laughs) oh oh in unused scenes from there will be blood he combined all of this stuff and that's right so so again my point is look at what we have here. And like, that's just like funny that I feel like the sort of results and the, uh, you know, and again, I get it. This, you either ride the wave or you don't with these films, because to me, they represent sort of like, you know, and I don't use this surprisingly a hundred percent tractorally, like the male creative ego Right. It's like these are two film bro celebrated directors who got to make something that was like, hey, straight up, here's like a hodgepodge of like 17 ideas that have been brewing in the <laughs> yeah. nogs for decades. Like literally they've said that. So it's like I'm not we're not making that up, right? right like that's, that's right. from their own mouth, this is what these two films are. And so anyway, so I just think that that kind of reflects in you know, why they're sort of like divisive or why we're all sort of like, I got this or didn't get that because mm, I'm just going to objectively argue they're not, they represent what they both said they represent, which is a bunch of ideas and kind of the culmination of them being able to just be like, cool, somebody let me put a whole bunch of ideas that I've wanted to do for decades in one movie. Um, and it, and it works or it doesn't, but these are both, I, again, like most divisive stuff, this just, this objectively represent (laughs) the culmination of like two dudes, you know, decades of like noodling on like 10 different things or whatever. Like, that's why I think there's, for me, at least that is, you know, subconsciously what I'm responding to. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, there's like some interesting stuff here. Yeah. This part of it's like interesting, (laughs) you know, but like for me, I'm not. I can't find a cohesive thread, you know, but again, and I think they're finding enough to make, you know, it's as if the thread is a phantom. Yes. Uh, I'm more (laughs) of a, I was going to say like of these types of films where it's throw spaghetti at the wall, like a buffet of male ego. Um, I would say that like 
one that works for me is Under the Silver Lake by Damon Robert Mitchell, where it's the same sort of concept yeah. of that. I mean, let me put everything in that the, in works the pot. because there's fun in that. Like for yeah, it's, like, it's jovial. I liked that more than I thought I would because I was like, oh, there's like a. There's like, these are so like, these are two examples where this is, these are, there's not an ounce of humor. happening. I mean, like maybe you could argue that with the master, but I don't actually think so. I think it's a very like, there's, there's a lack of like, you know, whatever. There's no like humor to be found in the presentation of it from like the creator's aspect. But I feel like the under silver lake example, like that he seems like he's having fun at least when he's throwing his spaghetti at the wall in that one. Yeah. Where would we, uh, where would we rank this? Maybe Hendrix, you can answer this. Where would you rank this with your PTA movies? Uh, I'm embarrassed to say, like I said, I probably haven't seen uh, one of them since the master. Um, oh, so, like you, you know, never seen up, uh, no, Licorice Pizza, no, Phantom Thread, no, and Parent Vice? Nope, have not seen any of those. So <laughs> I'm perhaps the wrong one to ask for uh, any sort of definitive ranking, but I kind of been landing on the side you know, of you and Molly, it sounds like where I'm just not really particularly interested in ever watching this movie again. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, uh, walking Phoenix is whatever, you know, he doesn't detract from, it, but I just like, I'm not interested and in, no, I don't feel any sympathy for him or empathy. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe I guess you can stretch it to where, you know, he's obviously got some sort of PTSD going on. And, but ultimately, you know, he's just, you know, he's destroyed just to destroy his life and we're just along for the ride. And, you know, there's not a lot that I can say about that. Um, so this might be my least favorite, uh, of them so far. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. someday I'll get to the rest. I did think it ripped off a lot of, there will be blood at times, like, yeah. you know, and I kind of well, got that. Here. I'm like, new scene, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, makes sense. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought that trivia up because I didn't realize it until, you know, oh yeah, discarded stuff. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, uh, not really, not really my favorite PTA, but, uh, still talented filmmakers still, you know, um, Many, many fine performances, but just not something I'm going to watch again, probably. <laughs> Chris, what do you think? Where do you place this? Um, you know, I, 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 I'm reminded with the past few minutes of conversation of the anecdote uh, Fiona, Fiona Apple um, said once where she's, she said uh, one night when she was dating PTA, uh, there was a night where um, she got dragged to a club and it was just PTA and Quentin Tarantino uh, talking to each other while she sat there. And she said Ooh. it was the, 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 mo- the most torturous night of her life. And, and I, 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 I feel like... Well, the missing yeah. part of that story is they were high on cocaine. And cocaine. she was like, oh, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's enough to make someone blow. never do cocaine again. Being yeah. stuck in a room with them. That's right. That's right. I forgot that. Um, so oh I, I do think that there's... It's unfortunate. I do think that it's almost as if he, he kind of fell off a cliff after There Will Be Blood. I still really like um, The Master and Phantom Thread. I was not a big fan of licorice pizza. Uh, mm. I was not a, not a huge fan of inherent vice. Um, even though I really like the book. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's actually 
I'm going to slightly amend what I'd said earlier. I think it's, I think this is pretty much like middle of the road PTA. This is like, and I, and if it wasn't Philip Seymour Hoffman in that role, you could easily say that it would be lower tier. Um, yeah, I think that there's, there's a, there's some, like you, like you had said, Molly, it's like, oh yeah, there's interesting stuff here, but is that enough to hang your hat on? I don't know. Good for him though, for, for using the scraps. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he, he knows the, 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 he, he's going for it, which I appreciate. You know, mm-hmm. he's got a lot of ambition, a lot of, he's got a bold vision. That's cool. Um, I just wake, I wish he would make there would be blood again. Actually, no, I wish he would make heart eight again and just stick to genre films. Uh, that's his I'd best like movie him before. to make punch drunk love again. <sighs> Terrible. Um, <laughs> any closing thoughts on these movies before we got, we got trivia, don't we? Oh yeah. Yeah. You guys ready for trivia or any closing comments? No, well, I, I would say, uh, Mo- if a uh, gun to your what? head, Molly, you had to watch <laughs> wow. the master or tree of life again, which one would you choose? Uh, I mean, that's a silly question, but, um, I mean, I guess I'd pick tree of life because it's much more like vibey to put on in the background. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like the, I mean, it's, like it's you better can, film. what'd you say? I think it's a better film. You, you agree, Dan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Probably. I mean, in certain <laughs> ways, just irritating. right? It's irritating. Well, everything uh, about PTAs later work clearly irritates you. But, like, I'm not even... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know if I can say Tree of Life is, like, a better... I don't know what, mm. what metric we're using, but... Yes, I, I th- like Tree of Life is much is more like soothing film to watch. I guess I don't know, like in certain ways, or like I can, you know, I would wa- I think you could someone could probably get me to watch it again. Um, you know, as opposed to like the Master is just like that's I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a lot to watch. It's pretty. It's it's not pleasant. I would argue. Right. Besides, like, yeah. maybe on mute. Maybe on mute. I can just watch the visuals. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's a real film. It's uh, a trivia. Let's do okay. it. Okay, are you ready, y'all? Um, the way this works, uh, Molly, you've played before, but Drax, you're new. I'm going to read the narration of a screenplay of a film that came out around the same time as these two films that was also set in the 1950s. So see oh if you boy. can just based off the description of the setting in 1950s and the action, um, what movie this is. And I'll give you a clue for each one if need be. Um, but we're going to start... Um, uh, eh, I started easy last time, so we're going to get the hard one out of the way and then hopefully end Ooh. on a more positive note. Um, the first one goes like this. Um, not sure if anybody saw this movie besides me, but here it is. Interior, Ed's Drive-In, Kitchen, Day. The kitchen of a drive-in restaurant outside St. Louis. It's 1954. Traveling salesman Ray Kroc, 52, stands before a simple mixing machine, making his pitch to the owner. Oh, I know this. What's the the, it's the Michael Keaton movie the, about McDonald's. No. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. What's it called? Um, the Founder. Boom. Yeah, nice yeah. work, sir. Yeah. Very good job. I mean, is it um, a free for all where you can just kind of chime in? I don't yeah, know. Yes. First yeah, person to know it. Guess mm-hmm. go first, though. Yes, yes. Uh, and also because Dan's bad at this game. Yeah, I'm really oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next. Um, 
exterior street pre-dawn. A quiet, working-class residential street in Ireland, early 1950s. It's morning, but it's still dark. One of the front doors opens and out slips Eilis. Early 20s, open-faced, pretty, without knowing it. She closes the door quietly behind her and walks quickly up the street. Mm. Uh. So this is, wait, made in the 2010s, huh? Yes. Ooh, that's a tough one. So it starts in Ireland... But uh-huh. it moves very quickly to America. Oh, is it that? Uh, um, um, what is it? Um, Sorsha, Sorsha Ronan. That is correct. That is correct. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it called? Uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, we got it. Okay. Oh, good. With the That's assist good. from Dan. Nice work. I don't think uh, I saw that one. Ooh. That's it's pretty good. Uh, that's okay. It's it's <laughs> it's very middle of the road. <laughs> yeah, it's sure. workmanlike. Very workmanlike. All right, tighten it up. Let's go. <laughs> Exterior Saltwood Castle day. It is 1956. Saltwood Castle, the family home of the Clark family, looms over the landscape, framed by the setting sun. It is majestic, an Englishman's dream of a home, complete with turrets and even a moat. There is a feeling of timeless beauty and stability about the scene. Something profoundly English. We are a very long way from Hollywood. What? Dear. Yikes. I thought you said you started with the harder one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's what you did. The founder, you pulled that out of nowhere. I the founder was pretty. All right, keep going. Um, okay. I think uh, you said like Ray Kroc in the narration. That's pretty yeah, easy. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> easy. Yeah, I didn't know that was a notable name. <laughs> yeah, he found, yeah, or didn't found McDonald's. He franchised. Is that, that's a common trivia? Yes. Fact, yeah. I was yeah. from the Midwest. Well, I thought it was Ronald. Most people know what the name I mean, <laughs> maybe not, Amber but like Clark. that's not an uncommon thing to know. Okay. Um, <laughs> clue, clue. Can you give us a hint? Okay, clue. So yes, takes place partially in England, partially in Hollywood over the course of seven days. Oh, Molly, oh uh, my week with Marilyn. Yeah, there you go. Nice work. Um, next up, uh, oh, here's a here's a fun clue in advance. The last two uh, clues are from movies that both star the same person. Okay, interior Attorney General Palmer's home library night. A tall, strong, square-jawed man in his late forties. Michelle Palmer sits in the downstairs library of his four-story townhouse on R Street, a posh DC neighborhood, in 1952. Mm. No. You guys know. <laughs> That's not. Well, one. I'm glad I at least I, got one right. <laughs> can, I, not can I guess, Chris? Can I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Suburbicon. Suburbicon. Oh no! Thanks. Does that take place in the fifties? I don't know. Uh, no, no. I, I totally forgot that movie existed. No, yeah. this one is a uh, um, it's a biopic. Uh-huh. Takes place largely in DC, per the narration. Hmm. Um, it takes place mostly in the fifties, but definitely you know does like the whole biopic thing of like throughout the years. Um, Trumbo. <laughs> no, you're very close. You're very close. Oh, really? Um, uh, another despicable uh, person um, that hmm. was in American politics. His last name is synonymous with vacuums. Hoover. Oh, Hoover. Oh, Hoover. Yeah. That's the movie, though. Terrible. Yeah. We forgot about that, didn't we? Oh, God. Well, that was uh, Clint Eastwood, right? 
Uh, yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah, was it really? I thought it was like Jeff, uh, not Jeff K. Um, no. <laughs> Oliver Stone. Yeah. Oliver Stone. So it's like the next um, one gonna be like Revolution Road or something like that. Oh, oh, yeah. very yeah. good guess. Pre-guessing. Pre- <laughs> Pre-guess. Uh, exterior ferry on water. Morning, September 21, 1954. The fog twists over the water. A thick oh. and almost impenetrable curtain. Shutter Island. Stop. Yes. Stop <laughs> <laughs> Worst sound editing of all time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, hate I hate that. Oh, movie. what a terrible oh. movie! Yeah, people loved it. it. People oh. loved it. It did genre so flick. well. Did so well. <laughs> genre flick. <laughs> so many triggering topics this episode. Phantom Thread, yeah. Shutter Island. What else is triggering? Who played Dead Life? Was like Michelle Williams. This is like Dead Life in that one or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Oh my gosh! I'm picking for my birthday movie now. But yeah, oh god, I oh, hate that no, movie. Not so Shutter much. Island. <laughs> no, the sound edit and like the editing no, is so I bad in that movie. That. It's terrible. It looks like it's oh no. Yeah. It's like you no. could pick out the the twist in the first five minutes. Like I don't even know what the point of that movie. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a lot. Yeah. It's like oh uh, really? Wow. Dennis Lehane, gotta love him. Um, what uh, do we have coming up next, Dan? Uh, Far From Heaven, The Majestic, we're talking yeah. about Ooh, the early boy. 2000s, LA Confidential, This Boy's Life in the 90s, and then Molly's going gonna to appear on Desert Hearts and Diamond from the 1980s. <laughs> in Coming back. Time. <laughs> Coming back. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Hey, Molly, Drax, thank you so much for joining us. Um, best of luck to you over there in Hollyweird uh, during this difficult time, Ryan. And uh, Molly, uh, Chicago is a thing. So. I hope you're well. <laughs> Bye. We'll see you on Desert Cards. All right. This has been Film Trace. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>